1: keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach.
0: Are you ready for season three of Discography? We're jumping into the deep end of The Who. Not only will we go through every studio Who album in great detail, but their stories often told between albums. So we'll be touching on non-album singles, the solo works of Keith Moon, John Entwistle, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, and some of the events that would make a record begin as a concept and land as something that would universally change the world. Discography returns to Consequence Podcast Network in January of 2019. Until then, be lucky. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an interview series that's brought to you by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Take a second before we get started, uh, wherever you're listening from right now, to hit the subscribe button. Uh, You can check us out on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite uh, podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today my guest is David Bazan. He is back under the name Pedro the Lion with a brand new record called Phoenix. We're going to be talking about why he resurrected the name Pedro the Lion, what led to this, and then we're going to jump into the album. It's a concept album where he's looking back at his earliest childhood in Phoenix, Arizona, and why he decided to tackle that concept. In fact, he tells us that this is just part one of five in a much larger concept that traces several cities that he's lived in throughout his life. He'll tell us about childhood stories that uh, led to a song called Black Canyon, and he'll also tell us about a project that he's a part of called Fug Yep that brings awareness to mental health and addiction and uh, directly comes because of his relationship with the uh, late, great Richard Swift. He's made an absolutely beautiful record, and I'm so excited to talk. It's Kyle Meredith with David Bazan of Pedro the Lion.
2: This is Dave.
1: You're back with Pedro the Lion? I, I mean, I don't know how we say that. You know, it's it, if it wasn't confusing before, you've only made it more confusing by trying to solve the whole thing, right?
2: <laughs> I think that's right. Especially ex- externally. I, I got some clarity myself, which is the beginning, and I, my hope is that after the first couple of records, it'll become just clear what it is. Right. Not having to explain it, but just because of what it is.
1: I mean that's that's sort of the interesting thing, you know, is is the old question go What's what's in a name? Because it's it's more or less always been you, you know. For anyone who doesn't know, you were you know the the major songwriter behind the name in the early days. You've had music since then, where you've been the major songwriter, and now it's just the name is back in place. That's that's the short yeah. story, right?
2: Yeah, and and to add a little bit more meat to the bones, the early days um, of Pedro, the first three albums was me arranging all the parts for drums, bass, and guitar, and playing all the drums on the first three records, and playing half the bass on the first three records and all the guitar, and just sort of finding a sound through that multi-track process. But I was uncomfortable with it for a lot of reasons, and so I gave it up as quickly as I possibly could, basically and really believed that it wasn't the right way to do things for a long time until basically last year when I realized, oh, that's just my process, man. Like that, That's my entry point into making rock and roll is, is that, that way. And so even through all, all my solo times, I was looking for a way to collaborate on the skeleton of the stuff. And now I realize I'm just content to make the skeleton on my own and then to bring it to life with couple of other people in a room uh, once everything's kind of written.
1: And we'll bring up those couple of people, too, because this time you're working with uh, with Eric and Sean. Uh, what do they bring to your collaboration that, that you know, maybe wasn't there before? Well, the, the main ingredient that wasn't there before
2: was my lack of confidence in my own process. The turnover that I kind of experienced and the instability came from just my unwillingness to own that stuff. And so in the in the role now where I just said, hey, look, this is what this thing is, and who, who wants to, to do this thing, specific process with me? And they both love that process and have done it in other s- instances. And so they bring themselves and their personalities and their hands and their taste. And so it's kind of like uh, the way that I've understood it best is if I, I'm kind of like writing these scripts for me and two other people to sort of act in in a way. And then once we memorize everything, we get together and find the real energy of the of the scene together. And it's the same thing just as that would be just with music. And so they just, they're two players slash actors to follow the, the metaphor that just are really good at absorbing material and then spitting it back out in, in a real dynamic context of rock and roll. I don't know, we just, there was a chemistry that we happened on. Together and we all feel it and hope that we can keep it going.
1: You know, knowing maybe that you know you were going to put that name back in place, that you were going to resurrect Pedro the Lion. Does that you know? Does having that history direct the writing at that point? Well, what it did
2: was it opened some of my history back up to me in a way that I, I had been cut off from it by by my own choice or by by distancing myself from that name or not using it anymore. And internally feeling like I just wanted to move some, like go someplace else, um, even sonically. Some of that, those those simple ways that I used to work, I just kind of put on the shelf for a little while. And opening myself back up to the name opened me up to just earlier kind of recipes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and not that I would then exclusively deal in those recipes, but they, I just got to add them to my big pool of you know my big recipe book that those sections got to be added back in in a way that they were kind of taped off for a while and so that that was amazing and there also is this added thing that's hard to pin down that once we started playing under the name it it just felt differently and i wasn't expecting that but it it um, yeah i just remembered this intangible thing that was like oh yeah this is me <laughs>
1: And well, it, it feels like that's, there's a lot of remembering going on. I mean, in, in one sense, you know, once we get into the actual record, you know, okay, so past the name, now, now you're faced with the music, which is some of the best music I think that you've done in your career. But Thank you. you know, what we're talking about almost is like two homecomings. One, back to the name, to the band, but also to your childhood. I mean, there's a lot of remembering that seems to be going on in this. Is it, is it fair to call it a concept record? And, and what brought you back to the childhood?
2: Yeah, um, it, I think it is fair to call it a concept record. Um, and before I ever knew that I was going to come back to the Pedro the Lion name, this idea for this record and four more like it set in other towns that I've lived in kind of came to me in the summer of 2016. And I kind of agreed like, yes, I need to do this. Uh, I was driving around down here just trying to, uh, I don't know if for anybody who has lived in different towns, Depending on how you leave a town, I feel like there there's just haunted feelings in, in, in Phoenix for me. And when I would come back, I loved it and I felt at home. But I also, it just was this big, messy cocktail of feelings that I didn't understand, but always got my adrenaline up a little bit sometimes. Or there was sort of like a sadness to it that I couldn't put my finger on. So I just really faced that one morning on my way out of town. I was headed over to San Diego on tour. Just happened to be in Phoenix on tour, and uh, yeah, it just hit me, like, there's all this longing here. Why is that? And I realized, oh, you, you haven't really processed so much of your childhood because it was interrupted by moving, you know, at 11 or 12. I guess it was 12. And so I thought, well, let's do a project about that. And I thought it was a writing project, like maybe a personal writing project, um, not non-musical and within about 30 seconds, I realized, oh, it's, it's a musical and it's a record and it's, oh, look, it's five records. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, Phoenix is the first one. And I just I didn't know what shape it was going to take, but I just started thinking, OK, how would I go about doing this? And I just tried to put a process together for collecting thoughts and musical inspiration and uh, all that. And then I just tried to follow that process the best I could. Um, I came down I'm in Phoenix now coincidentally Uh, we're down here shooting video for the the live show next year and uh, I came down here to write and stayed at my grandparents house and just got up at first magic hour and drove around listening to songs and getting ideas and and then I would write a little bit during the day and then I'd drive around at second magic hour and I'd do the same thing and basically it just consisted of me driving around Phoenix at magic hour and just feeling feelings. And then sometimes those turned into song hooks, you know, yeah. and uh, then I put those down.
1: I'm glad to know this now because when I heard it, you know, obviously, you you, you know, it was sort of obvious anyway that you were concentrating on a certain part of, of your life in within your childhood. But I thought there's also a certain type of memory and nostalgia that you were hitting, like almost a, a specific kind, I, like those simple moments you know, that we find out shape us later that were like the lonely moments and the quiet moments where you're just in your head. Like those seem to be the ones you were drawn toward.
2: It's true. Um, You know, what I've realized now is moving around a lot in the sixth, seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade, all those years I lived in a different town and I ended up developing a bit of pain every time, but it's not something that you can really show anybody when you get to a new town and trying to make friends. And so, as I'm going back and processing a lot of, you know, in the end, and I talk about it on the record already a lot, but once we moved from Phoenix, I I had a sense that I was looking for a home, kind of from then on, and that is maybe the big project is just trying to trace trace my path uh, home, which I still am in the process of finding in some ways, and so it tends to be those. Lonely moments that began that disconnected feeling uh, that I that I'm trying to. In some ways, I'm back from it, but in other ways, I still am. You know, I'm a grown man still trying to find my way back. In in some ways, and so when my when my when I go to populate a, a bunch of songs with the memories that kind of hook me, it's those memories where the, lo- the where the loneliness kind of began. So in that way, it is a pretty lonely record, but it's. You know, it's it's in a series of records where I think it's going to get lonelier, but also it's going to come back around to something. Uh, you know, I I'm, I I am finding home, and I I've never been good at writing about the resolution of things. I, I've tried tried a bit more on care than I ever have, and so I'm naturally finding the lonely moments, and then hopefully weaving my way even personally toward a little less loneliness uh, as a result of processing all this stuff. So, yeah, my songs are concerned with all of that internal kind of furniture in a way that I've never been able to break away from. And so now I'm just I'm just doing it head on and hopefully I'll I'll grow a little from it. I, I don't know.
1: One of the important things I think that you've accomplished here is it's not just looking back. I mean, you take those moments and and you find out ways to to make them relevant to your here and now. I mean, it seems like in almost every one of these songs, you know, the the childhood is, is balanced with the responsibilities of adulthood. You know, there's that, yeah. you know, when the the freedom that you had as a kid you, you begets the loneliness, you know, it, it's yeah. sort of linked yeah. in that sort of sense. I mean, what, did you find it natural to, that you were finding that balance? Like, well, this is what happened then and it's a direct parallel with what I'm doing now.
2: I think maybe my subconscious knew those connections going in. I mean, that's that's really how I think it works is that you, if you're... Listening to your subconscious, hopefully you're you're finding a just a length of the river that you want to put your line in, you know, and you just kind of have to divine that, figure out where you want to be, and then usually you land where you do because your subconscious has has already got a scaffolding in mind, and so I think I I was able to see a lot of those connections and grow in the moment by going back And the memories and the and the moments that the lonely moments particularly particularly that shaped me you know i am actively trying to to combat loneliness as as a as just a person i think a lot of us are so it was it was natural in a way and those connections were thankfully there to be made you know i set out to write a lot of that stuff not knowing what those connections were going to be hoping <laughs> i would find them for the sake of the songs and the sake of just my own personal wanting to know and so a song like quite a friend which was the last song that i finished the lyrics for in fact that i think we got done with that about four in the morning the last day of tracking where i was writing you know a stanza and then coming in and cutting it and then struggling to write another one and then coming in and cutting it um yeah that that one came last and the and and little moments like it were it's a wisdom that i needed right then you know to, and, in some ways to finish the thing uh, but also just to find the movement that i was i'm looking for in my life
1: there's a song on here that for me took a mysterious turn and that's a, that's black canyon yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it starts out i'm guessing with, uh, with what it sounds like is your uncle is is
2: he's a paramedic who who was the, the first to arrive on uh, on the scene of a suicide and he, he, so in the previous song, Tracing the Grid, I make reference to sitting around the, the dinner table at my grandmother's house with aunts and uncles and hearing stories and how I really, I just ate that up that time of sharing. And But that Black Canyon story is one of the stories that, that my uncle told to us. And he, there was various There was another story that he told that inspired the song Priests and Paramedics off of Pedro the Lion's uh, control record. Another story he told us uh, inspired that one. And so in a way, that story was a part of my, big part of my development. Um, Not in that I thought about it all the time, but I don't know. It was a story that I heard pretty young, I guess. And if I was going to make an homage to, to the phoenix of my experience, I wanted that story to be in there in some ways, because it also, it gets a, there's a brutality to the, to this town, to Phoenix. It's just, it's just a little bit rough. Uh, there's a little bit more tension somehow. And um, there's, I wanted that to be represented, but lovingly too. And, and with care, I hope. And so, and this story that my uncle, told and you know we heard it two or three times growing up and then I would tell it to people you know because it just was such a bizarre story and then I thought is there any way I can represent it in song and it seemed to it seemed impossible to me but I just kind of kept on hacking away at it and um, came up with a way to do it that satisfied me and so I wanted to you know, I wanted to honor the experience of, of my uncle and then this other, this woman who was a firefighter alongside him and his, and his pal who was, you know, them dealing with, with the brutality of their job. They had, they were supposed to tell people the stories, you know, their, their um, higher ups, you know, would, basically that was a part of what they were told is like, Hey, you got to let this stuff off. You got to talk to people about some of this stuff. Or else it's going to eat you up. And so. He would bring certain stories home and he didn't tell us everything, obviously, but yeah, I wanted to honor that, that story. And I wanted to, yeah, it just was, you know, in the song before, like I said, I'd talk about my favorite stories and how I memorized them all. Mm -hmm. And I really did sponge up information like that when I was a kid. And so it also connected a dot for me, you know, it, it put a bit of my, there's something a little brutal about how my brain processes things. And I'm sure Things like that had to influence it, but also I understood everything that was going on in that story right away as like a ten year old kid, you know.
1: I mean, we, and especially I mean, when you hear that line about you know, get the truck off my back, you know, that's uh, yeah, uh, that it's a powerful moment. And and especially, I don't know that I was expecting that moment to come, you know, so late in the record after we've gone through so much journey already, and it's just like I know, <sighs> <sighs> it's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. I'll bring this up when we're sort of talking about you know the, the darker side too, because it, you're, you're also you've been posting about um, uh, hopefully I'm saying it right. Fug, yep. And yep. Uh, and and you were close with uh, with Richard Swift, which you know we're big fans yep. around with right now. And I was wondering if you could uh, if we could close out with you kind of talking about that because in a in a long stretch of a way it, it almost kind of connects with what we're talking about here.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Um, the we've been listening to the Hex like crazy, uh, the new one, and it's so so good and. He's unpacking a lot of. I mean, he talks about childhood pain on that on that record, and and unprocessed, uh, trying to fix the boy inside of, of you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's painful that something so. It just it's just hard to. I, I, what I feel is that there are people that are so sensitive and can't can't help but be sensitive to the world, and I feel like Swift was one of those people, and that that sensitivity makes made him a brilliant interpreter of energy and, and music and visual art. And he, he could just tap into everything so easily, but it was a double-edged sword, you know? And I hate talk. I mean, I hate even sort of... It, I, there isn't an answer as, as to how how to prevent somebody so beautiful to to not be able to, to, to stay with us. Um, and it wasn't for lack of trying or, you know... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, sorry, I'm I'm losing my I'm losing my way thinking about it because it's just so it's just such a precious thing. Yeah. Um, but he was um, he was beautiful and uh, I think had just a, a reservoir of hurt that just kept growing that he didn't know how to deal with. Um, and alcohol is a is a real trick because it, it kills that pain so effectively that you just you just want to keep. Doing it, you know, it, it hides that pain from you a little bit. I, I've experienced that, and and not a drinker anymore. And so i I've, that's part of what I've been dealing with is when I stopped drinking, all the pain showed up, <laughs> and I was like, oh damn, what am I gonna do about this? And um, I think he just was carrying stuff that he just couldn't, he didn't know how to process. Yeah. Um, and he tried. I watched him, and we did it together, and he did it together with his other friends, just trying to talk and talk through it. You know, when you could, when you could even be vulnerable enough to talk to another person about it, which is tough, you know, um, especially when part of your job is to, to, to create an image for yourself, you know. But, yeah, he, um, it's too bad.
1: Yeah, well, I, I do yeah. feel like in the past few years, at least, people are finally coming around to talking about mental health more, to talk about addiction more, and yeah. and, and we've lost so many good friends in the past few years to this, especially uh, lately, yeah. it feels like. So, yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I did appreciate that you were putting it out there, that you were still keeping it in the conversation in the way that you were.
2: Yeah, and Fug Yep Foundation is a really neat thing that uh, the Lucius family are and um, uh, Swift's family are putting together. And I, he had so much energy for creating that there's just a lot of visual art and a lot of just a lot of inspiration for all of us to draw on and use that energy to spread the word about that, you know, about mental health and addiction. And, and uh, you know, not to, I mean, I don't, whatever the goal is just to give people the tools to, to, to be healthy and to find balance because the, you know, the creative life is an obsessive life. And it's, you know, you're, you're, if you're touring, you're surrounded by, Alcohol, namely, but all kinds of other things and finding balance with all those really strong bolts of energy flying around from every direction in that in that life is it's hard to do. And, you know, I think that the sensitive people help us see things about the world that that help us all, you know, and they need to be allowed to, to be to be that sensitive and to and to to find equilibrium. And I think that's the that's the thing. And it's not just artists that are sensitive. You know, a lot of people just, you know, when you're honest with yourself about who you are and how the world is, it's, it's, it's hard to take. You know, when they told me about Fug Yep Foundation and the plan and the, just the general approach, it just sounded like, yeah, this is not some, this is just something that'll flow pretty easily from what Swift already laid down.
1: Well, I did appreciate that, and uh, and I'll turn that around. You know, your, your own sensitivity has made such great art throughout your your career uh, that we've again become such fans of. Especially with this new record, Phoenix. Uh, I tell you, Yellow Bike, one of my favorite singles of the year. Uh, we oh, that's really, so cool. yeah, we can't get enough of it around here. It's it's just so good.
2: I'm so glad. I mean, I you know I recognize that sensitivity in myself. After the fact, and, I, and it's part of a self-care sort of strategy to try to take that seriously, but I really recognize it in other people's stuff, when I see Swift or when I saw Vic or, you know, when you see Mo, uh, Chestnut or when you see Melina and just the work that come out of these people and then, the, you know, the, the, that same sensitivity tend to, can take them down, too. Um, and, I, you know, it, it helps me to see myself because I have to look out for that, frankly. And uh, but it's it's um, it's a doable thing, um, and uh, it's it's good for people to be thinking about it. Fans and and uh, creators alike—we're all creators, you know.
1: Absolutely. Well, David, it, it's a pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on Phoenix. Uh, you've made a lovely record, and and knowing that there's going to be you know four more of these that that could follow is is really exciting. I mean, you're basically writing your memoirs for all of us to sing along to, and that's that's great.
2: Well, as long as it's singable, I mean, I, that's cool. Uh, I, I, I'm happy to be doing that, but I also worry that someone's memoirs in musical form could be kind of tedious. But we'll see what we can do to strike that balance.
1: All right, so. man. Well, I look forward yeah. to it. Uh, thanks for the call today, the conversation. And, uh, and, and, again, congrats on Phoenix. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. My thanks to Dave, the brand-new Pedro the Lion record. That's fun to say. It's called Phoenix. And hey, if you haven't already, please do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to, whether you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify or on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button there as well. After that, head over to wfpk.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. We can also find some bonus episodes of this series. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith, That does it for this episode. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
0: Consequence Podcast Network.